Okie dokie. Well, that is England, Belgium. Uh, Belgium 2. England nil. I just took a cursory glance at the statistics from that game, Alex, and I saw that England had more shots, more shots on target, higher uh, level of percent, uh, percent possession. I don't know what I'm saying. Less fouls, uh, more corners. If you were to look at that, you might think mm, that's a team that was on top of the game and would win two nil. You know, Belgium significantly more fouls. But no, the World Cup surprises again. And it's almost like looking at stats afterwards. Can't tell you that much about the game out of context or something like that. <laughs> yeah, um, I think the one of the strongest indications, particularly since the round of 16 started, is the team with the lower possession yeah. has a very good chance of having been the winner. Well, that's a, that's a theme, isn't it? That's a uh, trend. It, it's a trend in, in tournament football in terms of teams sitting deep and looking to counter. Mm. Um, Belgium, we know, having seen it a few times, most notably against Japan, are a very good counter-attacking side. Yeah. when they're carrying the ball through the centre with De Bruyne and then looking to spring it wide. So fast. So fast. Yeah. And Passing so good. and pace and well, running with the ball. Yeah, De Bruyne and Hazard are both exceptional at running with the ball. Yeah. So it, it's not necessarily a surprise. I mean, having watched it, I don't think England's dominance, except for maybe a sort of 20-minute period in the second half, was was particularly clear to the eye. The The, the spell which... You know, included um, uh, Eric Dyer's uh, dink getting cleared off the line and mm. some some good play mm. uh, around the box. It seemed like England stepped up, started to try and push forwards a bit more. I like a dink as well. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, so, nice touch for a big man, etc., mm. etc. Mm. Um, but I think I think it's one of those things you you start to press the game against a side like Belgium, and it's leaving you open to that kind of counter attacking opportunity. Um, so there's always a, a threat implied in seeking to force the issue a bit more as well. Would you like to hear, uh, my grandfather just texted me, would you like to hear his analysis of the game? Yes, please. Could be interesting for listeners. Second half, better, but some way to go yet. Still no sign of the real Kane. Personal problems or injury? Question mark. And then he sent me a second text saying, Kane. <laughs> just, just Kane on just his Kane. Yeah. Well, I, I How said do you respond you, to my granddad? I said to you during the game, I think, Kane has not looked at his best. Mm. Um, the the fluidity, movement, and interchange that you see from Kane at Spurs mm. with Deli Ali, who interestingly also has not had the best tournament. Um, Let me ask you this question, uh, not based on what you've been saying. Golden boot, yeah, number, highest number of goals. What's the golden shoe? Best goal? I saw someone talking about golden shoe and golden boot as if they were distinct things. And then I thought, well, golden goal would be that, but then golden goal already means something. Yeah, I Maybe don't know. golden shoe is best goal. Possibly. Who knows? Who knows? Okay, continue. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think I think Kane benefits from having those sorts of players around him, and I, yeah, I'm not going to say that somebody who is the leading scorer in a World Cup has had a bad World Cup. No. To facilitate the link between the two, and and one of the positive things you could say for Kane that I think maybe has become uh, more obvious to more people this tournament is that he has a wonderful passing range. Yeah. He, uh, but is there is there a touch of the Wayne Rooney's in that? I mean, is there a bit <laughs> of a worry that, you know, you have England star striker who, of course, I mean, I, I think perhaps it's not the same today, but certainly there would have been a time in football where if you were the best player, you ended up becoming a striker, you know, and that would often mean that with some exceptions... 
you're quite good at passing as well. You're quite good at dribbling. You're quite good at holding the ball. You're quite you're quite good all round player. You know, Kane is definitely one of those. Wayne Rooney was one of those too. And as England had problems further back. Wayne Rooney, over the course of his career, dropped deeper and deeper to facilitate those, scored less and less, or fewer and fewer goals, I should say. Um, is that maybe a problem? No. Okay. I'd just like to draw links between things that maybe are totally disparate. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think it's a problem. Why not? Um, because I think... Because that is what happened to Rooney. Yeah, I, I think that's that's partly a function of the physical demands placed on him. You know, Rooney was playing consistent first team football from the age of 16 you know before his body had even i mean he was he was physically strong and, and advanced but he was for still a, kid a boy. Of that age but your body is still growing and the stresses and strains it puts on your um musculature and your joints and stuff to, mm. to be doing that level of exercise when your body's still growing is massive mm. so i think that was part of the issue kane's had you know two three seasons of being consistently the best goal scorer in the Premier League. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't think it's the same sort of issue. I think what's happened here is that in order to facilitate the way England have played, he's been dropping deep a lot to to collect the ball and to try and look for those overlaps and then move into another position. Mm. But that we saw today in this game as well reduced his goal threat slightly. Certainly, and and also we, I mean, this is a slight exception. The game doesn't really matter that much, um, and obviously. It comes. This is the seventh for England, so it's a long line of games clustered together. There was a moment in the second half where he had dropped deep. Uh, he found a nice passing option, pushed it forwards towards Ruben Loftus Cheek, who started to run towards the goal. And I think four or five, maybe even two or three games ago, Harry Kane would have been running towards the box after that. And yeah. even though Ruben Loftus Cheek hesitated slightly and waited a few seconds, there was no sign of Kane appearing towards the left of the screen. You know, I think he's probably quite tired as well. Yeah, and and he's, you know, he's played consistently. He's had the the mental expectations of, uh, or the mental pressure of being captain, of dealing with the expectations mm. of England. You know, exceeding, I suppose, to a degree what what we thought they were possible of. I mean, I I said before the tournament that England's natural level, which I expected them to hit, is sort of somewhere between a semi-final progression and are not quite making it to the semis. Mm. And, and that is, you know, they are, they're, they, they exceeded that level to a degree because mm. they, it would have been completely, uh, expected, understandable if they'd gone. I mean, okay, obviously that's in the context of the way the games fell out and who they were actually playing against, but you know, England's level, um, since 66 has been, you know, quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. That that's where they are. They're not one of the four best teams consistently in world football, um, and so in that regard, I think they have overachieved. They've overachieved in the context, perhaps, of a, a kind set of draws. Mm. Um, but I don't think anyone should underplay that. But you know, if you're Kane and you're expected to play a physically demanding role. Every single game, and twice a week for three and a half weeks, right? And also be the captain, mm. and also deal with the momentum that the run has engendered, and all of that kind of stuff. Like that's really hard. I don't think anybody can can understand what that's like unless sure. they've been literally in that position themselves. Well, here's an interesting question about today's game. Uh, there were some things to take from it. Questions arose. 
one of which arose when John Stones and Eric Dyer seemingly switched position. And I thought perhaps that was just as a result of uh, running back from a corner at different times. But John Stones seemed to stay in midfield for quite a long time, and Eric Dyer seemed to knowingly drop back into the middle of that defence. What's that about? Um, My expectation is that it was probably a bit to do with uh, countering the pace of Belgium through that central area. Stones is probably a bit quicker over the ground than Dyer. And he was watching Azar whenever they broke. Yeah. But doing it further up the pitch than exactly. he would have ordinarily been. Okay. And how could that help England in terms of attacking? Because they were chasing the game at that point. They were, uh, 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 for a time, arguably the better team, you know, 10 or 20 minutes in that second half. How could that help having someone like John Stones ahead of someone like Eric Dye in that midfield, the Jordan Henderson role? Does he have a better passing range? Um, Not really. I, it's it's difficult to, to say because... I, that they're probably not, not not comparable players, if that makes sense. I yeah. mean, they they are both. So they, they are comparable. They are comparable <laughs> in that way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's been a long time. Mm. Um, Jones Jones Stones probably has greater mobility. Yeah, Dyer's probably a bit better in the air. What about Jones? Jones <laughs> Jones is a liability. What's his double negative? Does he have one? Oh, uh, not. Not bad. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Um, so yeah, I, I guess it. It's nice to have a, a team where you've got a number of players that can fulfil different roles, mm. so that you can make in-game tweaks without requiring substitutions. Yeah. To to counter specific threats, uh, and and I think it's one of the interesting things. You know, M- Martinez obviously made a, a system change to counter Brazil, which worked really effectively. But what degree a manager... You can almost divide managers into two camps, you know, the ones that, that consistently play their way and their style, which Southgate very definitely is in, mm. or managers who are prepared to make systematic changes to counter particular threats, which Martinez did here, and Mourinho's probably the classic example of that. Yeah, Having a squad and a starting 11 that allows you some flexibility within that squad in terms of saying, okay, well, you know, we're getting peppered with aerial balls, but we're also exploit, you know, they're exploiting pace through the center. Mm. If we swap dire and stones that, that can counter both of those threats to a degree and we don't lose out anything. Yeah. That's something that's very positive to have. Okay. Well, pleasing for England, a fourth place, official fourth place finish makes us one of the best four in the world, doesn't it? That's how that works. Forever. Forever. Yeah. For this time. Yeah. Uh, time is transient. Okay, well, the other thing we were going to chat about uh, before tomorrow's... Oh, I'll tell you what we can do is we've, we've got our predictions. Phil, funnily enough, hasn't replied to my text message. Philippe, uh, for listeners, isn't here today. He's back in tomorrow. Um, he has already won the predictions game, so he doesn't really need to send in his prediction for tomorrow, but I'm going to dock him three points uh, because <laughs> he's failed to submit a prediction. Yeah. Uh, but also, we're all going to be docked three points for failing to make predictions for the game we've just watched. So the yeah, official was, tally now thinking. is that you're on one. Oh, okay. uh, I'll be on whatever I'm on. Phil's going to win anyway. Um, but uh, for tomorrow then... Uh, you've said 2-1 France. I have. I've said 3-0 France. I imagine Philippe will be going for France. We'll get his from him before uh, the game begins so that he can't cheat the dirty beggar. 
Um, but the other thing we were going to talk about was uh, we made a video that went out today. Oh, it's doing well, isn't it? Yeah. The uh, Our sort of first 11 of the World Cup, our team of the tournament, so to speak, someone made the point that this isn't a team of the tournament because you haven't picked all the best players. So uh, just to clarify, what we chose to do, because we thought it made it more interesting, and it definitely did, uh, was to pick a team of players that would work together as an actual team, also with the limitation of only picking one player per nation. And so we did make uh, a video about this. I appreciate that some of the people who listen to the podcast don't watch the videos. Uh, so I thought I would uh, give the opportunity now, I'll a quick read out of the team, we can maybe go through it. Uh, discuss it for fun. How about that? That sounds nice, doesn't it? Um, and I'm just basically vying for time to try and get there so that I can know what the team is by looking at that. There it is. Casper Schmeichel was in goal. Oh, first I should say we started with a 3-5-2. We did. Because we thought, uh, well, ironically enough, uh, neither team in the final will be using three at the back, but throughout the course of the tournament, it's been an interesting one and caused teams problems, and we liked it. Correct. Yeah. So we've got Casper Schmeichel in goal. Uh, Maya Yoshida, Diego Godin, and Yuri Mina as our centre-backs. We have Kieran Trippier and Jesus Gallardo, Jesus Gallardo uh, as uh, the wing-backs. Uh, we have Adrissa Gay, Luka Modric, Philippe Coutinho as our sort of midfield three. And Romelu Lukaku and Kylian Mbappe up front. Uh, now, just tell you what, very briefly, explain your thinking here. So... Okay, if we start at the back, um, Schmeichel, it's a difficult shout, and, and I think Subasic had a good shout, Pickford had a good shout. But then the problem with that is you have to lose Modric or Trippier, right? Exactly. So this is, this is the way so you look at it, the best we, keeper we can get. The best the keeper team. we can get that doesn't force better players out. So I would argue that Denmark's run to the round of 16, and their pretty close attempt at getting into the quarterfinals, yeah. Schmeichel had more of a role in that than any other Danish player. Sure. And as such, also probably more than any other goalkeeper, mm-hmm. propelled his team to a greater level of success mm. than they would otherwise have got. You could make the argument that Subasic could be another another player who fits that. However, you'd rather have Modric in the team. Yes, yes. I would rather have Modric. This I mean, is why it's interesting, because you have to link them together. And the, what, the reason I bring this up is because we were going to go through some of the comments and some of the suggestions that people made for how they would have changed the team. Uh, it seems that many of the people who watched the video didn't <laughs> didn't read the rules, uh, which were right at the beginning. People and were on in big YouTube letters. not actually... There was, there was one person who actually said, oh, yeah, well, you know, title it properly, because most people skip to about two-thirds of the way sure. through. That's like, weird. Are you insane? Yeah, that's a, that's an odd way of doing it. So uh, there yeah. were a lot of people. What what has been interesting about this is that it's <coughs> given us an impression of what some people think has happened that differs from what we think has happened. And we had this chat when we first got here today. Uh, two players in particular, both Belgian players, uh, Thibaut Courtois. Mm. People were saying was goalkeeper of the tournament, which is something that had not crossed my. I mean, not to say he was bad, but it just hadn't crossed my mind at all. Yeah, the other player was. Uh, Ed Nazard, who people were saying is a disgrace that he's not in your team. One person even uh, unsubscribed because they <laughs> wanted him in the team. Um, yes, they they said the player of the tournament, which again is despite not the fact despite the fact this person has apparently subscribed to us for a really really long time, yeah. he's taken the omission of Eden Hazard <laughs> as the clear example that we know nothing about football. 
It's interesting though. I mean, I, and like, obviously, people, I mean, people these watch things it in different ways. Aren't they? they are, and that's why it's interesting to talk about because people take different things from tournaments like this, to, depending on how you're watching it, how many games, what you want to watch for, what you enjoy, and so that's why I'm interested in hearing people say Thibaut Courtois, keeper of the tournament, yeah, well, that's, that, player of the tournament. That's just wrong. There's Thibaut no Courtois. way that Courtois has been the goalkeeper of the tournament. Okay. In 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 pure goalkeeping terms, I would say. Subasic and Pickford right. have, by some distance, mm. been the best. I would say Loris has a really good shout for a couple of crucial saves mm-hmm. uh, against Belgium. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Ochoa, the Mexican goalkeeper as well, mm. played very, very well. Uh, the South Korean goalkeeper, Joe, uh, and Schmeichel as well, who we selected. Sure. All of them have been better than Courtois. Mm-hmm. Now, like you say, that doesn't mean Courtois has been bad. No. He's been pretty steady, yeah. but um, I mean, I think he, I think he made a mistake uh, against France. I think he made the, a couple of mistakes in the group stages as well. Yeah, there, the there, there are definitely goalkeepers who've been better. So that's that's yeah. just wrong. Whoever said that, uh, Ed Nezard. Ed Nezard, I can take the point that he's been very, very good. Mm. Like he has been good, but he hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't popped above the canopy, no. I, I wouldn't say. I mean, he certainly hadn't for me watching it, which is why it's interesting to hear for other people that he had. I mean, for a start, De Bruyne has been better for Belgium than Hazard has. Right. And, again, in terms of the rules that we've picked, striker, I think, is a really difficult position. Yeah. The reason I've gone for Lukaku, partly his goal return, um, which Kane didn't get the selection, partly because you couldn't pick anyone else at right back than Kieran Trippier. Mm. Um, but also because Kane's goals have largely come from set pieces, penalties, etc. But also with Lukaku, it's the way he's linked with other players. Mm. It's the movement, the the intelligence. I mean, Mbappe running off Lukaku. Hot, dark. I mean, like... Now, I think the, the one area, the one position in this where I would accept that a couple of the comments that we've had have, have had a point... Uh, is defensive midfielder. Uh-huh. Now, there were a couple of strong shouts for Wilfred and Didi. Yeah. Uh, I did consider Ndidi. He was brilliant. Um, the reason that I went uh, with Gay was because Senegal's defensive shape as a whole was better than Nigeria's. Mm-hmm. And he kind of set that tone organisationally, him and Sadio Mane, mm-hmm. uh, with the pressing. And he was also a really intelligent outball once they'd won it back. Okay. Now, I, I do think that the couple of commenters who mentioned Ndidi absolutely have a point, and I completely agree with them. He was brilliant. Here's another couple uh, that are along those lines. One of them being uh, Maya Yoshida, who we have in our team in place of Grantqvist, who people were saying should have been in there instead of him. No shout for Sweden. We Because no. we did talk about that beforehand, and you decided... Yoshida over Grankfist. He did yeah. he did appear as an option. What was it that made you choose Yoshida over Grankfist? Okay, well there's two things to say. Firstly, if I'd picked a Sweden player, I would have picked Augustinson at left back, mm-hmm. not Gallardo from Mexico. Right. Uh for me, he did well, but the whole system that Sweden were playing didn't expose him greatly. Right. Uh he's very slow. Uh, he is aerially good, mm-hmm. but his lack of pace was compensated for by the way Sweden defended collectively. And we should point out as well that in our formation, we have Yoshida 
as the right-sided centre-back in a position in which he'd be expected to move up and down, right? Yes, and Yoshida's passing was superb. Yeah. Yoshida's clearances, only Ignacevich from Russia made more. He was ex- more exposed because Japan were more front-footed. Yes, and he also linked really, really well uh, in terms of playing. I mean, I, I, I could have had a couple of Japanese, three Japanese players in mm. here, personally. I thought they, they played so well. Um, there have been a couple of shouts for Inui, um, also Shibazaki, although he was never going to get in given the quality of other midfielders. Kasebi, someone called for? Uh, I think that was possibly me actually responding to somebody. <laughs> I mean, I'm a huge fan of Hasebi's, but if we'd played a 4 3 3, then uh, Yoshida would have been dropped and Inui would have gone in yeah. uh, on the left side of the attack. Yeah. And we did toy with that, we talked about it. Um, I think the 3 5 2 was more interesting in terms of exposing a style that has worked for some club teams um, and worked, I think, well for England. 4-3-3 is kind of an easy and obvious one. Mm-hmm. Um, just to go back to, to uh, Idrissa Gay, the, the other thing is Kante not being selected. Mm-hmm. You have to have Mbappe. My opinion is you have to have Mbappe. Mm. Now, again, the, the whole point with this... and and. If anybody believes that in some way we're we're disrespecting or criticizing players that didn't make the cut, that's absolutely not the intention. Yeah. Um, Kante has been wonderful yeah. all tournament. He's been absolutely exceptional. But if you're France, what you're looking for? I mean, to me, the two crucial French attacking players have been Pogba and Mbappe. Yeah. And Mbappe just has brought something almost intangible to the World Cup mm. in terms of the running, finishing, the exuberance that he plays with, the, the linking up with Pavard, the linking up with Pogba. Mm. It, it's his tournament as far as I'm concerned. Let me, let me, let me ask you this because I'm, in a minute I'm going to read to you some of the amusing comments that we have. Um, but because of the way that the, the rules work for this team, you can only have one player per nation, right? So you and and when you start, so when we're talking about oh, replacing this player for that, and then you have to the knock-on effect, and you have to replace. Who did you start with? In the, like, who's the first name on the list? For me, it was when I was thinking about it, it was Trippier. And there's a couple of easy starting options for that. But once you've got that, once you've got that first person down, you, can, you know you can't have anyone else from that team. So yeah. the rest of it starts to fall into shape. Who so was your starting point? The three absolute defaults yeah. were Mbappe, Modric, and Trippier. Right. Um, ones I agonised over to a degree, for example, in, in terms of the balance, yeah. were Lukaku or De Bruyne, mm-hmm. Godin or Cavani. Yeah, Cavani got quite a lot of shouts. Yeah, and Cavani was great. Yeah, but again, Cavani, I I don't know how Cavani would have done as a single striker. Yeah, um, he worked superbly in tandem with Suarez, yeah. almost to the point where. If you're going to pick a striker, you're kind of picking the composite of those two playing together. Yeah. So it, it's really, really difficult. Um, it's fun, though. You know, Yerry Mina, defensively slightly suspect at times, mm. but a defender who pops up and scores three, well, two absolutely crucial goals. You know, the goal that got them through to the round of 16 by beating Senegal, a game where they were massively under the cosh. Yeah. And then the equalising goal against England to take it to penalties. You know, that's why he got selected. 
Um, Here's a few quick fire funny little things yeah, which you needn't take too long to respond to. Some of them will be very easy to dismiss, okay. uh, such as this first one. So not even a German player. Did I miss something from the rules? Uh, yeah, you missed the fact they were shit. Okay, here's another one along those lines. Capital, all capitals, lol, no Argentinians. Uh, <laughs> again, I'm going to assume you'd give the the, uh, the, the, the the same answer there. I mean, look, Messi, here's one, here's Messi one making fun of one. you, saying astute, astute, astute. That's quite funny. I guess you said astute three times. Okay. Uh, how can you miss Thomas Mounier at right wing back? He was amazing for Belgium. Yeah, he wasn't better than Trippier. There you go. There's an, there's another good answer. He, he was really good. Yeah. But there were quite. I mean, Miguel Leon, who played right wing all the way right to to right wing back uh, for Mexico, was excellent. Yeah. Uh, Avincula was excellent. Um, you know, there were a number. There's a good shout for Andre Carrillo actually from yeah. Peru, which. You know, it was, it was a shame that no Peruvians got in there, but... It's a shame they didn't make it through. Uh, Rereading these comments, it is very clear to me that the vast majority of these people uh, do not understand. Uh, why do you have players that didn't even make it out of the group stage and leave out players that made the quarters? Azard and Kante were better players, uh, and Fernandez and Granqvist, who made the quarters. Russia and Sweden should also be there. Azar did so much more. Seriously, Lukaku, he could have been easily replaced. This is a new comment. Could have easily been replaced with the likes of Kane, Cavani, Azard, CR7. <laughs> well, Ronaldo, Ronaldo's on the bench. Yeah, he's and, on the bench. And I think, you know, Ronaldo was excellent. Um, Lukaku, it, for me, it's Lukaku's link play. Mm. Um, the the step over for Chadley to score, for example. Mm. You know, that what you want from a striker in that sort of formation is the awareness yeah. to bring in other players. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just seeing if there's anything. I mean, there there are some very nice comments as well. I just uh, it's kind of funny to um, to read out some of the. Here's one from Magic Hoop. What bullshit is this? <laughs> Where is Cheryshev? Coutinho was straight trash in any game that mattered? Question mark. And Lukaku has only scored in the group stages. LMAO? Question mark. Yeah. So there was there was one person who said that Lukaku was anonymous against Brazil and France. Yeah, which is bizarre. Which is just a stupid comment. Mm. Um, uh, Cheryshev is an interesting one because he did play well, but people are basing that on the fact that he scored some really great goals. Mm-hmm. He did score some really great goals, but actually Russia's, I'd say Russia's four most important players were Zobnin, Golovin, and the two wingbacks, Shirkov and Fernandez. Mm-hmm. You know, Cher- just scoring great goals doesn't make you a great team player. Yeah. And that's why whoever spunks forty million on him in the summer is going to be an idiot. When uh, you sort of work quite hard on something, and then a, a, an inordinate number of people who aren't important in either of our lives or anyone or the lives of anyone listening say rude and mean things, <laughs> you know, within moments of you sort of doing something good, it does become hard. And particularly then the, 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 when it's there's, a subjective a, thing. Yes, if, if, if I also make a... there's a, there's a feeling that you want to respond to it, but actually, and I think I often think it'll be funny. But then after 20 minutes of reading out comments, <laughs> it just comes across as like antagonistic and yeah. bitter and angry, which none of which I don't feel any of those things. I'm, you know, perfectly willing for, for anyone to come. I don't read them most of the time. I mean, if, if somebody pulls me up on a mistake, I'm always happy with that. See, when someone pulls me up on a mistake, I'm more angry than... Uh, oh, I'm not at all. I double down. I mean, I, I, I made a mistake in one of the group stage videos about uh, African teams recording wins at World Cups. 
and someone oh, pointed yeah. it out to me, and I was sure. like, shit, I'm, you know, I'm really sorry for having got that wrong. If I mispronounce someone's name, that's what they're fucking called now. Right. Okay, well, that's kind of the... That... <laughs> <laughs> we should stop this now. <laughs> All right, okay. Hey, well, listen, thanks I mean, so much for, for, anyway. for listening. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be back tomorrow with a much less... The hate isn't real, guys. It's not real. It's just, it was, I thought it would be funny. But it's performative. It, it, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't funny. I thought it would be. But it's hot and we're tired and we're leaving now. Uh, so uh, thanks for listening and uh, we'll be back tomorrow for the final episode.